Taking the time to actively listen for God can seem like a difficult task. It requires a conscious effort to tune in and listen up. Research suggests we're pretty good at not listening. In our daily conversations, we hear less than half of the content. We're so easily distracted and conveniently filter out sounds. What if in all the noise we could recognize and single out only God's voice? It may sound intimidating, but active listening can actually be fun. Let's practice with this catchy song. Take a listen. Do you recall what instruments chimed in? What happens if we take out an instrument? Would you notice? Let's listen again and see what happens. Did you notice the bass guitar was missing? Let's isolate only that instrument and listen. Isn't it nice to know what the bass sounds like so we can find it? Let's play the song one last time with all the instruments. Pay particular attention for the bass line. Did you hear it? Wasn't it easier to pick out this time? When we're familiar with the sound of God's voice, we can more easily recognize it. What if we made a conscious effort to tune in to Him? What hidden treasures might He reveal? What a profound analogy about hearing God's voice. That's what I want to talk about this morning, is hearing God's voice in our lives. You see, think about it. If God is the baseline of the song, we as Christians have to learn to pick out the baseline so that we can hear the rhythm that God is laying out for our lives. But often, I'm afraid, for many Christians, God's voice gets drowned out by day-to-day -day background noise in our lives. We struggle often to hear God speak. We struggle to hear His voice because there are so many other voices in our lives calling for us to listen. This is the trap that many of us in our Christian lives fall into, and it hinders our faith. It hinders our walk with God because we can't hear the bass line in the song. We can hear the overall song, but we don't notice the individual parts. And even worse, we can't tell when there's a part that's missing. I love this analogy that, this, that that intro video gave, calling us to learn to recognize the baseline, to recognize God's voice 
first. And then you can plug the bass line into the song. And then the bass line stands out because you know what it is. You know how to recognize it. Unfortunately, many of us today struggle to hear God's voice. We struggle to follow His guiding because of the clutter around us. We can't hear the bass line, and we struggle to notice when the bass line's removed. Now, it's important to recognize and be honest with ourselves about this struggle. We all struggle with this, even the best of us, even the most spiritual of us. We all struggle to hear God's voice continually, to be speaking to God without ceasing, Paul says. It's important to recognize it, and it's important for us to be honest. Do you hear from God in your daily life, or do you struggle to hear from Him? This morning, I want to unpack a little bit about hearing from God and how to simplify it so that we're able to hear from Him on a regular basis. Now, this hearing from God on a regular basis, this is an extremely important biblical theme. It's important because God is actually a relational God. Now, this is different than the pagan gods. That's an extremely important thing to understand, that God is a relational God, that He created us to be in relationship with Him. And folks, I need you to understand, relationship is actually all about communication. You see, you don't have much of a relationship if you're completely unable to communicate. Imagine what a marriage would be like if you never spoke to one another. Imagine what dating someone would be like if you never spoke, if you had no relationship, no communication in your relationship whatsoever. Your relationship would be a disaster. It wouldn't exist. Often, that's exactly how we function in our relationship with God. So it's important to recognize that God is a relational God who wants to communicate to you and wants you to communicate to Him. In in essence, God created us out of love for dialogue, and He wants to converse with us every day. The relational creator of heaven and earth made us relational because He is relational. We're made in His image. God is not some cosmic God who hovers over the earth listening to us, watching what we do in order to one day judge us for what we've done. God is a God that wants to converse with us continually. And not in some crazy religious one-way dialogue of, of this sort of like, we pray to God, the God of the heavens, and, and we ask him for stuff, and we hope that he gives it to us someday. That's actually a pagan understanding of God. We are loved by a God who wants to speak to us, who does speak and continues to speak. As a matter of fact, God speaking is a key theme in Scripture. God spoke the world into existence. And it's a, it's a two-way conversation. God listens, and He calls us to listen. You see, the challenge that we often have is that God's voice is not always the obvious voice. 
Now, one would think that he's God, the creator of heaven and earth, and so his voice must be loud. He must want to reveal himself to us loudly and make sure we hear everything he says. But it just doesn't seem like that's how God works. When I was looking at scripture in 1 Kings chapter 19, God appears to the prophet Elijah, and we have a story here, but God wasn't the powerful wind when he appeared to Elijah. He wasn't the earthquake and he wasn't the fire. God wasn't in all of the obvious things. Instead, he spoke to Elijah, scripture says, as a still small voice, a gentle whisper. God's voice is sometimes a gentle whisper. And if we're not listening for it, if we don't know what it sounds like, odds are we'll miss it. You see, as Christians, we have to be active listeners in our faith. We have to learn the bass note first, like the analogy said in the opening. We have to learn the bass note first, or we won't find it within the song. I read a book uh, by an author named Dallas Willard. The book was called Hearing God. I highly recommend you take it in. It's a little heavy, but read it slowly and ponder it. And Dallas pointed something out that changed how I think about hearing God's voice in my life. Dallas said this. He said, God ordinarily will not compete for your attention. Now, this struck me. And so I began to search the scriptures for evidence of this statement, because that's just how I'm bent. When I see a statement like that or hear a statement like that, and, and it's so profound, I go to the scriptures and I try to find that theme in the scriptures. And I found that Dallas was right. When you look at scripture, the overwhelming theme is that God wants his people to seek him first. God wants to be sought. And it's in our seeking him that conditions us to hear his voice. You see, if you're not seeking God daily in your life, you'll miss everything that he has to say to you. Paul often references this as a veil that's over our eyes, that this veil needs to be lifted so that we can see clearly, and that some will have the veil lifted, and that others will still have the veil in front of their eyes. They won't be able to see it. You can read all about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But you see, right now, we see Jesus through a bit of a distorted mirror, God has progressively been revealing himself, and then he revealed himself through the human being, Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. But we, we still have this slightly distorted mirror. We don't know everything. There's still mystery to the gospel. And he, but, but yet, we have this like inner voice, our imagination, that God wants to use to speak to us. Now, when you hear the word imagination, in our culture, we automatically think, you know, stop dreaming, stop imagining things, put your imagination aside. That's just for little kids. Uh, Remember, we're supposed to have the kind of faith that little kids have. You see, we have a misunderstanding of what the Bible means by imagination. A Hebraic way of understanding imagination is very different than ours. In Hebrew culture, they didn't have a word for imagination. And so they described it as a voice that shows you images 
in your mind, a, a, a voice that shows you the images that your mind is thinking. It's the human ability to the Hebrew to picture something that is not right in front of you. It's through your imagination. God wants us to learn to trust our imagination. Because often, it's within our imagination that He speaks to us. Now, let let me help you with this a little bit, and I'll use last week's sermon and the reading of Scripture as a, a good way to try to connect you with what I mean by God speaking through our imagination. Last week, I spoke about my journey of believing that Jesus was God in the flesh, how I came to believe that Jesus was who God claimed to be. I talked about reading the Gospels, how I had read the Gospels, and how the response of the early church to Jesus' authority, his sinless life, his command over demons, and the resurrection was absolutely unprecedented. It was something that I couldn't explain why they would react this way if it wasn't real. So they believed fully, so much so that they gave their whole lives and gave up their lives believing this. They believed that Jesus was truly God in the flesh. And and in order to be Christians, we actually claim this truth as well. So when you're reading Scripture which is one of the ways that God speaks to us, let me ask you this. Do you read it as though it's God speaking directly to you? Or do you just read it for quotable information? You see, when you read Jesus's, for instance, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, you have to read it with your imagination primed and ready. This is God speaking directly to you. He's teaching you. You have to read it that way. And he wants you to picture what he's saying and to place yourself into the narrative. And it takes imagination to do this. Then through scripture, which is words on a page, the Lord will speak to you in ways you could never imagine. Folks, it's when information becomes experiential, that one is transformed. It's when the information that's on the page becomes something that you actually experience through imagination that one is transformed by the living God. Now, most of you know that we're supposed to read our Bibles, that we're supposed to read our Bibles in a way that we actually believe what it says, because we believe as Christians that God speaks through His Word. But do you read it like it's alive, like it's God speaking directly to you? If you don't, you're not reading it as though God is alive to you, and you're going to miss Him And you're going to miss the things that he wants to say to you. But God doesn't just want to speak to us through reading Scripture. And and he doesn't even specifically actually call us to have a specific Scripture reading devotional time, which is what we often teach in the Christian faith. You have to do your devotions. God actually wants to be relational with us all the time, not just in our devotional time. He wants to be part of your everyday life. This is what makes God different than the pagan gods. God wants to speak to us in our imaginations while we work, 
while we commute on the bus, while we're grocery shopping. And guess what? He also wants us to respond. God wants to communicate to us and have us communicate to him, not just in our devotional time, but all the time. Paul calls it praying without ceasing, that God is a part of everything that Paul does. We see this all the time in the book of Acts. You'll see God telling a person through their imagination that they should not go somewhere, and then they mention it to somebody else, and then they agree, I think I heard the same thing, and so we're not going. It's, it, they'll sometimes say in the book of Acts that they, the Lord spoke or the Spirit spoke to them and told us not to go, and then you see them responding by not going. Now, this is amazing if you look at our culture, because when, when we think God has spoken to us, we're often like, I think God spoke to me. And then we begin to analyze it, and we, we maybe don't like what he said, or we don't want to go where he called us to go. And so we talk to other people, and we seek out advice. And, you know, nine months later, we come up with some kind of a response, or we hope that what God spoke to us just goes away. Or if he spoke to us about something we want to do, we jump right in head first, but we actually don't listen to everything that he's saying. You see, in the book of Acts, they heard him and they responded to him. They didn't overanalyze it. They just responded to it. That's kind of strange to us today. You see, if someone sensed God telling them to go, they would just go. Kind of crazy. Unless you're able to recognize the baseline. And you're not even questioning about whether that was God or not. You know he just told you not to go. The Apostle Paul calls this the ordinary Christian life. This ability to hear God and commune with God and interact with God. He says this is just the ordinary Christian life. Our passage today that I want to spend a few minutes reflecting on is from Romans chapter 8. Verses 5 to 8. This is how Paul describes the ordinary Christian life. He says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now, in order to understand how Paul connects what he just said to the Christian life, we have to spend some time understanding what Paul means by the flesh. So all of this is interconnected of what Paul's saying and how to live your life through the Spirit and how to hear the voice of God on a regular basis in your ordinary life. We have to understand what Paul means by flesh. Now, the flesh does not mean our physical skin per se. Paul uses the Greek word sarx, and it refers to the physical world but he's actually talking about how we view the physical world. 
So the flesh is referring to the physical world, but specifically in the context of how Paul uses it in this passage, it's about how we view this physical world. The word sarx in Greek is more about a false way of looking at the physical world. The flesh is a false way of looking at the physical world. The flesh means that we are looking at the physical world as though that's all there is. So when Paul says that some have their minds set on what flesh desires, it's not really about what you believe. It's about how you go about living, the assumptions you make, how you experience the world. Do you experience it through the flesh and the fleshly desires? Or do you experience it through the spirit and the spirit's desires? The text reads as though you're... you're, if reads as if you're setting your mind on the flesh, you're living life like there is no God, like Jesus is not real, like, like the things around us are our only reality and there's nothing else. If you only believe or live your life in a way that shows that you only believe in the physical, then you're living, Paul says, in the flesh. Living as though you are the Lord of your life, not Jesus. In other words, you're in charge of your life. You control everything. God isn't part of it. Now, that is what Paul says is living with fleshly desire. When you desire, when your desire is for a life that you control instead of a life that God is Lord of. Now, hold on for a sec. How many of us live our life in a way where we don't want disruptions? We want control. We want to set the strategy for the day. Because if we're living our lives that way, we're acting as though we are the ones that are in control and that the things around us is the only thing that exists. And Paul says that's the flesh. He says that kind of living and thinking will always struggle to hear God's voice. When you desire control in your life instead of God being in control of your life. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not, it's not, this passage is not saying that, that someone who's living in the flesh isn't saved because he's not talking about, you know, all the things that we think are the flesh. He's talking about our perception of the world and how we go about living life. So you could be saved, but you could still be living life in the flesh. But Paul says that that is the most destructive way to live. Actually, Paul says it's impossible for you to please God when you live as though Jesus is not alive, as though Jesus is not active in your everyday life. Now, in contrast, Paul says living by the Spirit is when you're seeking God always in your life, and so you're walking walking against the flesh. You're living life as though Jesus is alive and is part of your everyday life, part of your every moment. Paul says the mind that is of the flesh is hostile to God, that living in the flesh is like a where is Waldo game. There's so much clutter in your life that you can't find this weird guy in striped shirt and weird glasses. 
the one who's very different than the rest of you. You can't find him in the mess of all the voices of control that you have in your life. So let me ask you a question. Maybe this will help you to understand what Paul is saying. I'm going to describe a few things, and I want you to ask yourself, does this describe your life? And I'm going to be honest with you. It often describes a lot of things in my life. For instance, does this describe your life? You wake up in the morning. Maybe you say a prayer or you spend a little bit of time reading scripture. And then quickly, all of the things of your day come rushing into your mind. You got a lot of things that you need to accomplish. You got meetings to go to. You got deadlines. You have a boss that you're trying to please. Maybe if you build houses for a living, you've got to get to a certain point with the plumbing or with the framing. The things that you have to accomplish in your work life and in your everyday life, they come flooding into your mind. So what you do is you organize those things in your mind into your daily tasks. Some of you are list people. Some of you just fly by the seat of your pants. But we still organize it in one way or another. And once it's organized, we feel like, okay, I know what my tasks are for the day, and I can now conquer my day. And then you go on as... You go on with your day, and maybe things don't go so well, and so you might cry out to God and say, Lord, help me. Or maybe things are going great, and you really don't have to cry out to God at all. You accomplish your tasks. You conquer the day. And it feels pretty good. Or you're still pretty stressed. And then at the end of your day, you, you might give thanks to God for your day, do your devotions, and go to bed. How many of you is that the day that you live? If we were honest with ourselves, it's, it's a lot of us. But here's the thing. 99.9% of your day, you lived as though God was not real. As though God didn't have anything to say to you throughout your day. Did you spend any time listening for his voice outside of your devotional time? Because the stuff you were doing wasn't spiritual, right? That's what a lot of people will say. It wasn't the practical, it was practical work stuff or basic life tasks. And God doesn't, you know, he doesn't have much to do with that. That's my spiritual time with God. This is my work time. This is my lifetime. But it means that we literally went through the day living our plans, or living your plan, doing your own thing. Be honest with yourself. How many people think of God and talk to God and hear from God throughout their workday? You see, going about your day on your terms and with your agenda is by Paul's definition living by the flesh. And the scary part is, this seems to be most of our normal. But it means our normal, folks, is actually hostile to God. Because we went about our day like there was no higher purpose to what is going on in our day. This, Paul says, is a flesh mindset. Acting like what is around us is the only thing that is real. And that only our times with God are our spiritual moments. But folks, there is a spiritual realm all around us. And God is with us always. 
But our control, our to-do list, and our fear of change, and our deep need for routine, which are all things rooted in sin, our annoyance with with disruption of our routine, these are all things rooted in sin that clutter our lives, and they stop us from hearing God. Now, notice I described everything as our instead of his. You see, the flesh desire is for control over our day, and our lives. This is called being the Lord of your life. It's centered actually on self, on having the easiest, most convenient day possible. We love life to be comfortable. But Paul calls us to invite the Spirit into our day because the Spirit of God is the antithesis of that. He goes against the grain of a self-centered life. We cram Jesus into our normal. When I became aware of my tendency to live as though Jesus was dead, I was that, and, and my tendency to live like I'm in control, it actually completely transformed my life. And I really believe it can for you too. This is a key thing to understanding how to hear God. We have this tendency to live as though Jesus is dead, but we have to shift the way we think, shift the way we act, shift the way we look at the world and act as though Jesus is alive, that Jesus is walking with us. I noticed that I was trying to cram Jesus into my normal life, but I realized that I didn't need to to cram Jesus into my life. I needed to fit my normal into Jesus. And I learned this, folks, from Jesus. Because when you read his teachings like he is alive, it speaks to you. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, and we'll hear what Jesus says here, he says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, he says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now listen, here's the answer. Jesus is going to tell us how to transform your life into a Jesus-centered life, how to hear the voice of God every day, how to see purpose in every moment of your life. He says, you got to learn to do this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Your day will happen. Your day will get accomplished. You'll feel somewhat in control if you seek first his kingdom and trust that God will take care of things for you, through you, and with you. Our lives, folks, need to be reoriented to be kingdom-minded or kingdom-centered. Jesus says, don't try to find me in the midst of your fleshly concerns. Instead, wipe away these things and start with the base note. Strive for the kingdom where God's will is done here on earth as it is in heaven. This should be your primary concern in the midst of the tasks of your day. Jesus says, make his voice your guide. Get to know what his voice sounds like by making him your king, by learning the things that he says, by reading it as though he's alive, because he is. 
Learn his ways and make them your ways in your everyday life. In John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, meaning you've got to learn what he taught, you are really my disciples. Jesus teaches us to love our enemies, to show compassion to those in need. Jesus teaches us that his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount should be how we go about our day. It's interesting because in the evangelical North American Christian church, we read the Sermon on the Mount and we give it a big kick and we say, I don't think we can actually live that. And so let's just say that Jesus is kind of being figurative and he's over-exaggerating. But here's the thing. If you read it as though he's alive, you understand that he says the spirit living in you will empower you to do these things, these things that are greater than the things I ever did. We can't kick it out. We live by seeking the kingdom of God first. That means Jesus is a part of every moment of our life. He's a part of how we sell things. He's a part of how we build things. Whatever you do each day to make a living should be done in a way that shows others the love of Christ and his kingdom, because that is of first importance in your life. The essence of the flesh is control over our own lives. We don't like surprises. We don't like change. Jesus calls us to listen to him during our day, during our normal, and to roll with the surprises and the change by seeing opportunity in them. A Christian that wants to hear the voice of God each day needs to learn the base note first, and the base note is the kingdom of God. It's love, the love of God in the flesh that we show to others through our lives. Jesus calls us to live empowered by the Spirit so we can love others and live the kingdom of God each day. And this means that every waking moment has a divine purpose and we should give up each moment to Jesus. Jesus is Lord, is what the early Christians said. Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, not me. Jesus is Lord over my life and he wants to walk with us and he wants to talk with us. So if you want to hear God's voice in your life, Clear your life from the clutter of control, the clutter of fear, the clutter of selfishness, and submit yourselves to seeking God's kingdom first. This isn't some crazy spiritual thing. Folks, it's actually really simple. If you want to find God in your daily day, recognize that today is not your day. It's his that he is a part of every moment, that he is walking with you, that he is beside you, that he's not hovering, waiting to judge you, that he's actually active with you and that he's given you a kingdom purpose. As Christians, we need to begin to practice hearing the baseline in the song. And it's through Jesus' teachings that we can find our way. So read scripture like it's alive and live your day aware that Jesus is with you always. As we 
end this service today. I want you to just cry out to God and say, Lord, have I been living my life in the flesh? Have I been living my life in a way that I am Lord instead of you being Lord? And I want you to ask Jesus to reveal to you ways that you can learn the baseline. To to make you conscious each and every day that when your feet hit the floor, this is another kingdom day and I'm going to seek the kingdom of God and I just so happen to be selling cars in the midst of it. Folks, I want to encourage you. Jesus is part of your everyday life. You need to be aware of it and you need to live like it because that is the relationship that God wants with you and I. He wants to speak to us. He wants you to speak to him. He wants us to respond to his still small voice, to not overanalyze it, but to respond because everything in our life has a divine purpose. So this morning, I'm going to close in prayer. And as we pray, I want you to begin that process of saying, Lord, just just cleanse my body of the control and just help me to see who you want me to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord that you offer to us a relationship, a two-way relationship. And we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us through your word, that, that Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death, and that the early disciples' lives showed this. And Lord, I pray that our lives would show, just like the early disciples, just how much we believe that Jesus is alive and that his kingdom is real. So Father, help us to seek first your kingdom. Help us to identify the baseline of your kingdom so that we can hear your voice in everything we do. Thank you, Lord, for being an amazing God. And as we go through our day today, help us to recognize that you are walking through it with us, right beside us, speaking to us all the way. Thank you, Jesus for who you are and for saving a wretch like me. In Jesus' name.